Know your history because it will repeat itself. That's what they always told us. We saw these banking collapses starting to happen about two weeks ago, starting with the Silicon Valley Bank, the 16th largest bank. And it has an eerie, eerie, eerie remembrance of 2008 financial crisis. So I took the financial crisis tour back in 2016, I believe, and my tour guide on Wall Street was Mr. James Fortland. So today we're going to talk about how was the bank crisis today paralleling, paralleling 2008 right here now with James Fortland. And we are back live here. My name is Prince Dykes. I'm the Prince of Investment coming to you guys and girls live from the beautiful city and state of Denver, Colorado via Honolulu, Hawaii. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, comment, share button. And as always, I don't have a lot of time. And I definitely know you guys and girls don't have a lot of time. So we're going to jump straight into it. Today, I have my guest, my mentor. As you guys and girls already know, Uncle James is back in the building. I had to shoot this episode. So much is going on. This is my first time being able to sit down with him this year. Earlier, we did an episode, but I had to can that episode. But I couldn't put it out because... The information, so much more had happened that I had to make sure it was fresh that I wanted to give the audience. Uncle James, how are you doing today? How are you today? It's great <laughs> to see you. We met because of the financial crisis tour, yes. Yes, in New York City. Um, you know, me being a student and going out and learning, I traveled. I was out of Hawaii, traveled up to New York City. And uh, that's what I meant. I wanted to learn about the 2008 financial crisis. And here we are again in 2023 with an eerie remnants again. Now they're saying, hey, some people are saying it was interest rates, but some people are saying, hey, it was bad management. You know, we had depositors. We had deposits and, and investments going on. It was an imbalance there that bad management happened when they had the run on the banks that happened out of Silicon Valley that went down to Silvergate that also went on to First Republic, Signature Bank, a couple of regional banks. What we just heard Silvergate, not Silvergate, but we just heard that Silver, um, Silicon Valley Bank has just been purchased out in some type of way. What is your thoughts on these whole banking crises that we're seeing happen again? How does it remember, remind you of 2008? All right. Well, there's some similarities. I'd say most of the similarities are in our head more than anything. Um, 2008, we had we had a systematic buildup of what we would call what we now call toxic assets. People would call them CDOs. Uh, they were basically debt that was created uh, that by the time we got to 2008, it was so corrupt the, the way these things were created that they were pretty much worthless. So we, it left institutions all over the country, pension funds, banks, insurance companies, holding the bag with basically a lot of worthless paper, as we say in the business. Um, it, was, it primarily affected the massive institutions, the AIGs, Merrill Lynch, uh, Bear Stearns. Lehman Brothers. Uh, Lehman, yeah, I'm getting Le Lehman's the big one that everybody remembers, but it impacted everybody. I'm I'm still waiting for my Bear Stearns stock to come back, by the way. As I said, I'm like, I'm still, I'm still waiting. So uh, but it, it it impacted everybody. This is a lot different this time. I would call this more a crisis of confidence. I think that people have a feeling they don't they they don't trust public institutions. They don't think that 
there's a feeling that public institutions are going to work their own agenda. And regardless of what they say, they're going to take care of themselves and their friends first. Um, so that's that's a problem. And what has happened, you, you mentioned Silicon Valley Bank. Um, I would say of all the things you said, it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. First of all, uh, yeah, there's a lot of bad management. Uh, two, uh, the Fed has been raising interest rates for quite a while now to fight inflation. Um, and I think they're going to keep doing that for a while yet. We're, not, we're nowhere near the end of this, despite what they're saying on CNBC. And a lot of the talking heads seem to think inflation is licked, but I think we're nowhere near that yet. Um, and uh, you, had, you had the combination of those two things uh, impacted banks that had what? Uh, smaller deposit bases. like, And I don't mean in uh, gross deposits, I mean the number of depositors. For example, with Silicon Valley Bank, I just read something tonight before I came on the show, and it said that 90% of all the deposits in Silicon Bank were larger than the FDIC insurance, yes. which means you're sitting with a lot of big depositors. Uh, Silicon Bank was investing primarily in what? Venture capital. Uh, they were focused in a very high risk area. Now, oh, some of that is bad management. They were oh, they over over express, uh, exposed to a certain risk level. Some of it is because a lot of that business is limited to what kind of banks it can go to. Uh, the same with a lot of these the banks which were impacted by crypto uh, or digital assets. There's not that many banks that will handle that business. So that business gravitates towards a few institutions and those into institutions um, get a very high risk profile because they're over concentrated in certain areas. And then they were over affected by uh, if anything goes wrong. I would say this thing started with FTX, really. Silicon Valley Bank was big. That was next. Um, the FDIC came in. Uh, I know there's a lot of calls from the government to raise the ceiling and back everybody. But the problem is, is what the government has created. And this goes all the way back to the first banking crisis. And if you remember the tour, I talked about it. In 1792, there was something called the Panic of 92, where Alexander Hamilton was forced to bail out all the banks in the United States. That created what we now call, and you've probably heard this on the news a little bit, the moral hazard. What does that mean? That means that bank deposits, uh, little guys like you and I are insured by the federal government. They don't want us to lose our money. Uh, and by doing that, therefore, the federal government, in essence, is bailing out larger institutions. It's bailing out a large institution. Um, so what does that mean? That means if I don't have to worry about the money that I'm playing around with as much, because I know the federal government is going to step in and bail me out, I may, I may be less risk adverse than I should be. Now, James, let me ask, I want to pick up piggyback off of that. You made a good point. Is it a moral hazard to for the FDIC to step in and to insure depositors? I mean, everybody that was over that 250,000, like you said, more people was over that 93% of Silicon Valley depositors were over that 250,000. The Federal Reserve came in and insured them anyway. Do you think that is a moral hazard? Is that a bad thing to do? Because banks feel like, hey, I can't do no wrong. Well, I think it's a catch-22. I think once you get into the crisis, 
I think the federal government has no choice but to step up. And I I don't despite some of the stuff that's flying around the other day, they kind of they they sort of yelling uh, Secretary of Treasury Yellen said something that I think got misinterpreted. Um, and it kind of hit the market the next day pretty hard. Um, I, I don't see any reason to believe that the federal government is not going to do whatever it takes to ensure the banking system. I mean, the FDIC has already asked for emergency powers. Emergency powers basically mean they can come in and do whatever they want. And so they're, they're going to back this thing. The problem is, how did we get in here and how do we keep getting in this all the time? Um, you have this problem. As long as you insure deposits, you're always going to have some kind of moral hazard. So it depends on how big it is. Uh, One of the issues that most people have is like we saw in 2008 is a lot of people felt that the bad managements didn't really get punished for being bad management. And and, and that's, you know, that that I, I, I think there has to be some kind of you know, there, there's 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 some mistakes. Like if you make a mistake in your personal life, I buy I get buy a car, I get in a car accident, I got to pay to fix my car. Well, I think there's, you know, I didn't do it on purpose, but it still happened nonetheless, and I'm still responsible for that. I think I think there's certain at a certain level, some of the executives need to step up and take you know take some of the share of the blame. Um, that's one issue. The second thing you got going on now is you had the Fed has been raising interest rates very dramatically. And what does that do? I think a lot of people don't understand how banks work. When you put your money, say a bank has $1,000 in deposits, there's a formula and the federal government will say, or the Fed or the FDIC says, you're allowed to loan out based on this amount of deposits, you can loan out this much money. So maybe on $1,000 deposits, you can loan out a million of like $10,000 in loans. Okay. I'm just, I'm using these as examples. I'm not sure what the numbers are exactly. So what has happened? Uh, a lot of banks take that base deposit money and they invest it in like, say, bonds. And maybe, again, I'm just using this as hypothetical. Say you invested, you took your $1,000 and you bought a bond, uh, which at par value is worth 1000 that pays 10% interest. So it pays you $100 a year. Now, interest rates have jumped up to 20%. And that bond value has gone all the way down to $500 because because that hundred dollars has now got to be worth twenty percent. Hmm. So, but what does that do? Now the government looks and goes, wait a minute, you don't have a thousand dollars worth of assets in your deposits. You only have five hundred dollars. So you can't loan out as much, or you need to come up with a whole bunch of more deposits in a real hurry. So what does the bank do? Like Silicon Valley Bank, they decide they're going to sell those things right away to raise cash at a loss. The word gets out that they're selling and losing money, and there's a panic. And, and in two days, they basically took out all the assets that was there was out of the bank was just melted down. Um, it's it's funny how that works because over the weekend, as you, I've probably told you before, I run a local news blog in Bergen County, and I got a guy sent me some emails on a Saturday and said, "Hey, I'm at Bank of America in Ridgewood." And the parking lot is full. And I've been a customer here for 50 years. And I've never seen so many people in the bank on a Saturday. What in the world is going on? Is something going on? Is Bank of America having trouble? And I, and I thought, and I said, no, because I had just read the article that said, what is happening? People pulled their money out of uh, Silicon Valley Bank um, and maybe First Republic and some of these other banks that they're worried about. And what did they do? They put it into a big money center bank like Bank of America. Now, why are they doing that? 
Bank of America is known as too big to fail. The government has already declared that that bank will not be allowed to go out of business, basically, no matter what happens. So people figure, well, look what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. I don't want to get my funds tied up. And, and I've actually had money in a bank that went out of business. It is not fun. So you don't, I was involved in the, I guess it's the early 80s, we had the savings and loan crisis uh, in which virtually all the savings and loans in the United States basically went bankrupt within a matter of months. And it was, uh, I would say this is somewhat similar to that, but not quite as large in the scale because many of the banks, for example, a lot of those big money center banks, Citibank, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, um, are actually doing fairly well. And they're, they're, I would say many of them are better now than they were at any time in maybe the last 20 years. So since before the 2008 crisis, their balance sheets, uh, their management, many things are more, they have their act together more. These small banks get really Im overly impacted because they deal with small markets. They have less depositors. They have, if, if you go back to your hometown, you're, you're from a little town in Georgia, and you always tell me the name, and I never remember what Waynesboro. it is. Waynesboro. Waynesboro. Waynesboro, which is also the former home of who was the famous um, James Brown. Yeah, you know, he, he's Augusta, but we claim him because it's 20, all right, all right. So, 20, 30 all right, minutes so away. So, he's close so, enough. So how yes. many people does Waynesboro have? 2,000 people? Maybe 5,000. Come on now. we got a little bit all more. Right. We, all right, all right. So you have 5,000 people, right? <laughs> so you're, you're now become this successful financial TV personality, and you bring your millions, and you put it in a little local bank in Waynesboro, right? So you put – Prince Dykes puts $10 million in his local bank to pump up the local economy. Well, all of a sudden, some a couple of weird things happen, and Prince Dyke says, "Man, I gotta." The wife wants to move to the the wife wants to move to Hawaii. She wants out of here. She wants to sit on the beach all day long and relax. We need. I gotta get out of here. We're sick of Georgia, and so I, I take all my money out and I move it all to Hawaii. What do you think is going to happen to that bank? Oh, it's going to get. Yeah, it's going to be clubbed. It's going to and and what what is you know what's also the problem is they lent out money based on your assets. So now your assets have disappeared. So what are they going to do? They're either going to have to be merged with another bank. They're going to have to find a, another, a couple of sugar daddies to put in a lot of money or, yeah. or, or yeah, or something like, so it, it, it's like, it becomes the fed raises rates. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's like a combination of multiple things. Whereas in 2008, it was sort of one big thing that was it that the problems with it were not readily obvious because cdos or collateralized debt obligations were not really publicly traded in a, in a secondary market at least easily so there you couldn't look them up and the, like you didn't see you couldn't look the prices every day on cnbc you couldn't look you didn't know how much something was worth you only knew how much it was worth because your salesman from uh, morgan stanley or goldman sachs said oh of course it's 98 cents on a dollar i wouldn't lie to you you know, mm. salesmen never lie to anybody, right? So, yeah. it, right. So that was the that there there was no pricing mechanism. So when things got weak, it would like blindsided everybody because we didn't have any warning. Now, what do we see? We see we see the bank stock price start to go down and down and down. Now, look, because of the crisis in confidence last week, what did we have? We had Credit Suisse, which actually has real problems that they they've been having a lot of trouble with. That used to be like a golden boy bank, and it's in the last four or five years they really had a lot of issues. And of all things, you had stuff with Deutsche Bank, which 
used to be the bad boy of Europe that had had a lot of issues, and they've actually gotten their act together. And there's really no reason to think right now that Deutsche Bank, unless there's something going on that I don't know, I don't want to sound like Jim Cramer here. Um, it, like I don't want to, I don't want to do the Bear Stearns will never go out of business. Oops. <laughs> well, maybe next time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pull that. But it, 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 like, there was no reason for people to be worrying about Deutsche Bank. There was no reason for the guy who sent me the pictures over the weekend to be worried about Bank of America. Some of these smaller banks, though, because of what's going on, are going to be overly impacted now. They they might have been well run and they might have done all the right things, but they're depositors because they don't have confidence in the system, because they don't trust public institutions may may, you know, pull their money out and run for their life. And Hmm. so you, you could. But James, I want to put this in there, right? We spoke about banks, how they went bankrupt by taking in depositors' money, being able to lend out so much, investing money into long-term bonds, interest rates going up on it. the bonds. And inversely, you know, the bonds work inversely with the interest rates, bond value go down. Now people, you know, when they come out for their shareholders meeting, people hear about that. They get wind of it. They have a run on the banks. It's happening. So and you, you did very well with talking about in 2008, how we had those CDOs, those collateralized debt obligations that was created at Goldman Sachs that people was doing to bet against real estate and, you know, kind of blew up the economy, made some people very wealthy, but blew up the economy. But now that we know this information, we're going to take a very quick break. And I mean a very quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to say, what's next? What do I put my money now, now that I know this information? So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this break. gentlemen we're back here the prince of investment coming to you guys and girls live from the beautiful city and state of denver colorado via Honolulu, hawaii with uncle james james portland come all the way in from new jersey right outside of new york right here uncle james we talked about it interest rates have gone up we're seeing banks collapse market s p 500 had a tough time last year now we're coming back into this year um leaving a lot of people, hey, you know, what's going to, what, what's next? You know, our darling pinkies, you know, the NASDAQ carried us for 10 years with, you know, household names like Apple and Amazon and Facebook and Google, the FANG stocks that we knew of, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Now those things are down. The market is kind of sitting sideways, literally. What are you doing now? Do you sit back? What happened to our oil? What's going on? Would you know? 
Oil, well, oil, oil is is starting to. I think it's it's the beginning of another run here. We're getting ready to go. We consolidated for about a year, maybe longer. Uh, it was a little uglier than I would have liked, and it was uh, a little weaker than I would have liked. Uh, but I think I, if you notice the last couple of days, I think it might have been down a little bit today, but it's been up quite a bit all of a sudden again. I think it's just getting going again. A um, couple of things. First, I want to tell people that do not be freaked out over your bank. Uh, and if you are a little nervous, there's all those big banks like Chase and Bank of America, and they certainly would welcome the deposits, no problem. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason to think like you're going to wake up tomorrow and suddenly oh, your ATM machine is going to be out of order when you get there. It's just I don't, I don't think you're going to see that. Uh, there are some smaller banks that you have to be a little careful um, and, and some just might be hit as like collateral damage, so to speak. So, um, you know, just keep an eye out, but a lot of times if the bank's well run, it will be merged with another bank. So don't be, don't be, there's no reason to be screaming and running around in the street and taking a day off from work and, you know, turning your cash into gold and hiding it under your bed or anything like that. That's the first thing I want to say. Secondly, I would stay away from real estate. Uh, Ooh. the Fed is raising rates. Uh, I would stay away from, I know they were trying to push REITs and things like that. Do not buy that stuff. Um, mm. I would, uh, why, why, why well, there's a couple of things for one, the cost of their, their cost of goods is interest rates. And that cost of borrowing money has gone up substantially. Um, and it's going to go up more because the fed is in the process of normalizing interest rates. And we'll get back to that later if you want to talk about it. Um, so you have a couple of problems with real estate. You have their cost is going way up because of interest rates. You have weird things like, for example, you have all these malls that were built in the 80s and 90s, and now people all shop online. So you have a lot of big empty malls that people have to reconfigure what they're going to do with. Uh, in New Jersey or actually in New York State, just north of me, a huge mall just went bankrupt. Uh, and if you read the papers a little bit, you probably know in New Jersey, we have a, a very large mall called the American Dream that has been kind of one fiasco after the next. And they're having trouble making their payments on their bills like it's that bad. So there's a lot of, I would say well, you got that. You have also all these office towers that were built. And what has happened because of COVID, something called remote work, we're doing it right now. And people don't need to commute anymore because we all know that even on the best day, commuting is terrible and the cat is out of the bag and people do not want to go back in their offices. Some businesses are going to have to, certain businesses it helps, but a lot of businesses it's just not necessary anymore. So what are you going to do with all these empty office towers? It, that's another big problem. So you have, you have interest rates and you have this change in the structure of work life um, that is going to massively impact real estate. Uh, if you're a home buyer and you're looking for a home, well, you might have higher interest rates now. Um, you're starting to see a little decrease in prices. So I don't know if it's like bargain hunting time yet, but it might be, it, you might be able to get some bargains. I think it's a little early for bargain hunting, but. Well, uh, James, but you just said interest rates are going up. Yes. Real estate, you will stay away from it. But then you're saying, well, yeah. prices are coming down. Right. It's, 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 so, so well, well you got on? the, you know, the cost of your, 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 the cost of your money is higher. So the price is coming down a little bit, but I, I don't think it's equalized yet. I don't think it's gotten, it's like made up the difference yet. That's the thing. Now, where would I look to invest? 
Well, again, and I, I think I mentioned this the other time, um, and I've been hot on this lately. Uh, uh, earlier on, I've come to the conclusion that at the beginning or in, into the middle of last year, I realized that we are on the precipice of a big new technological change. Uh, it was feeling more and more like 1994 every, every day. Uh, and I can't, I couldn't figure out what is the next, next big thing. I was, I was, I've always been kind of weak on crypto because it, there's some issues with it. And the problem with the issues that I have with crypto have still not you? been addressed. Because hmm? we need Yeah, button. right, right. Well, that's agreement. the right. That's the number one thing. There's no button one agreement, and there's still none. And I've been saying this since 2016, and nobody's listening. Um, so that's that's yeah, that's it. That's one of the many things. So, but what is the next next big thing? This AI is it. It's yeah. definitely it. And AI is going to be. It isn't going to be some evil. A technological demon that's going to run our lives. It's going so let to. Me, let me get this straight, Jay. So you're saying you're looking at you said back in 1994 you was on that crust of like what's going to be next? What's the next big right. thing? And it was, what turned was out it? looking back, it was the internet. Right and now you're and saying cell 2023. Phones. You cell phones too, internet and cell phones yep. in one at the same time. Now you're saying in 2023, you kind of you've been getting that same stomach. AI. Right? Yes. What's next? I, what's I, next? What's I next? have not been this excited about what's going on, despite all the crazy stuff in finance since like the the beginning of the dot com era. I have not been this excited. This is I feel like this is the it's like a new dawn. Everybody is going to have AI, and AI is going to be like your I wouldn't say a personal assistant. It's going to be more like a GPS. You know, like everybody has GPS in their car now. Everybody's going to have AI in their car. It's not going to run your life. It's not going to be an evil demon. It's just going to help you do some stuff to make your life easier. And you know what? If you're lazy, you can be lazier. And if you're and if you're a hustler and you work hard, it's going to make it a lot easier to work hard. You're going to be able to get a lot more done, just like the Internet did. So it's going to accentuate whatever you bring to the table. Um, and AI is it. And I think there's a lot of tech stocks Mind you, you got to buy the stock, not the market. I would say stocks like Facebook, uh, maybe even Apple, uh, Netflix, definitely, uh, Amazon have company-wide issues that that have they have big problems with. They have on the horizon. They have issues that they have unions, all kinds of other stuff going on. Microsoft, however, was an old guy back from prior to the dot-com era. They were the king in the end of the eighties. Or, or early 90s, before the dot-com era, because they jumped this AI thing and they seem to get it right before anybody else, they might be a stock, they, they might be a place to look. I would look, there's, there's actually AI, there is actually a stock called AI, um, or that's the symbol. Um, I, it's super volatile and this is high-risk capital. So I just want to warn you, because this thing jumps all over the place. And if you're not used to a stock going up and down eight points in a day, and it can go down eight points. I'm not talking about only going up eight points. I'm talking about going down eight points in a day. It, you know, it, you know, suddenly that ten dollars stock is twenty. The next day it's twelve again. You're if you're not used to that, don't just stay away from it because it's that's the way it trades. Um, I I think um, so. I think there might be. Uh, I have a lot of issue with a lot of this alternative stuff like like, well, I think t Tesla is kind of cool. I like I like a lot of stuff. I like Elon Musk. I like a lot of stuff that he says, not everything, but many things. Um, I think there's some issues in the long term with 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 this whole green energy thing, quote unquote, green energy. For example, if you're Tesla, when the battery dies in 10 years, what do you do with the battery? 
right? Yeah, no. And what are we what are we going to do with those batteries? Okay, that's a big pollution. The other problem is all this alternative like solar and and windmills. You need to replace if you have a coal plant that generates ten kilowatts. Each kilowatt is seven hundred twenty-five thousand homes. You need to build enough alternative power, solar and wind power. You have to you have to have three times as much of that power to equal what you'd get with an old-fashioned coal plant. So you're to, you'd have to build to replace a ten kilowatt coal plant. You'd need thirty kilowatts in solar and wind power together. It's just it's not going to do it. It, it. it might be seven percent, ten percent maybe even 15% of the total power, but it, it's not going to replace fossil fuels. It's not going to happen. Well, that's and I think, James, as you're going through, are you saying that, hey, AI is the future and Apple and I guess Apple and Google, they're going to be like the blockbuster thing of the past? I think, I think Google's got a lot of uh, issues with privacy and they have to address this and they have really dropped the ball on a lot of stuff. I think they coasted too long. They got big and fat. It happened with Microsoft, uh, and they became they went from being the wonder kid to being the bad boy. Mm. I think Apple has trouble because a lot of their stores are trying to unionize, um, and it's hard for me to believe people are going to keep buying two thousand dollar phones, especially if the economy slows down a little bit. I mean, people do it, but I I, I think that's I I think eventually you're going to see some price compression in that area. It's not going to be as easy for them to make money, and of course, a lot of their manufacturing was done in China, and now China is all kinds of trouble in China. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that's a stable place to make anything anymore. Uh, what else? Uh, I think Netflix has a big problem because the content stinks. And while there is some good content, the biggest problem with the media right now is the content all stinks. So people don't buy streaming, not because they don't like streaming. It's because the content stinks. And the media continues to try to jam bad content down people's throats. And people are rejecting that bad content. They're just not watching it. And I and I and I and until they get over that, but I'm they Jay, figure that we, out. Well, you know, unfortunately, we got to do. You know, we have came up on our time. I need mm -hmm. to wind down. What do you want to say to the listeners and the people that are watching? And how can people follow you and check you out? Uh, number one, you can check me out at uh, find me on Facebook. It's called Unofficial Wall Street, and you'll see my beautiful face there. And if you want to contact me, uh, that's where I run the tours through. That's where I do a lot of other stuff. I, I, I have a bunch of projects going on, and a lot of that stuff is all on there. And there's tons of news about the stock market and about what's going on in finance and in technology as well on there. So that's number one. Number two, don't panic, stay calm. I think we're on a precipice of a lifetime opportunity now. Like this is, this is 1993, 94 all over again. And I, I think you got to be wary. You got to be ready to pounce. And I, I think, I think you got to be brave and you got to, you see these new things, you got to embrace them and you got to run with them. Like, uh, and, and I, I think this is the time. And generally, I wouldn't say stuff like this, but I've been waiting a long time for this to happen. This is the next, next big thing to steal a, a line from a guy named Jim Clark. Got it. All right. Yes. <clears throat> Uncle James, thank you for coming on. Um, you know, I know you got plenty more to do, but we're going to talk about that. But we got to get out of this show today. Uh, everybody out there in Hawaii, Colorado, wherever you may be tuning in or catching the playback or listening Thank you. It's the next video, podcast, cartoon, book, or whatever else crazy you see me doing across the globe. And I will be at Mission Viejo Elementary School on Tuesday, April 8th.
for the Community Financial Literacy Night. So if you're in the Denver area, come on out, 5.30 p.m. But until the next video, podcast, cartoon, whatever else crazy you see around the globe, my name is Prince Dykes. Peace, be safe, I'm out, and thank you. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.